Hello, everyone, and welcome to Full Time, where we take you around the world of soccer locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally. Full Time is presented by the Game Sports Show and powered by the Game Entertainment and Media. You are listening to Season 3, Episode 8 of Full Time. I am your host, Daniel Scarpino, and with me is our co-host, Gaetano Gallo. Before we begin today's show, Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. With their two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, you can download and access the Pizza Portal app so you can enjoy a delicious, hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. We remind our listeners that recordings of Full Time occur weekly or bi-weekly, and uploads to all of our platforms for public viewing and listening occur weekly or bi-weekly as well. Folks, it is yet again an honor to be here with you talking about the beautiful game. Gee, we are nearing the end of April and we are gearing up for some fantastic times ahead in football. How are you, my friend? I'm doing phenomenal, Scarps. How are you? Excellent to hear, brother. I'm also doing very, very good. So thank you for that. Uh, in today's show, we will be discussing Juventus temporarily reclaiming their 15-point deduction in Serie A, Champions League and Europa League quarterfinal outcomes, Europe's Big Five, FA Cup semifinal outcomes, the MLS, and local soccer. As always, if anyone would like to listen to our previous content, please check us out at Full Time Sports Show. And without further ado, Gaetano, and to everyone who has taken the time to tune in here today, let's... We begin today's show by discussing a new and enlightening reality in the world of football, and that is that Juventus have had their 15-point deduction in Serie A restored, at least temporarily. Gatano, we discussed this previously on Full Time on a couple of occasions. First and foremost, just your initial thoughts on this decision, sir. I think it's temporarily the right decision. I thought at the time, uh, the 15-point deduction with no... Uh, chance for them to appeal in the middle of a season uh, was kind of unprecedented and really weird. Typically, that type of thing happens, you, you know, you get a points deduction for the following season. So I thought it was a little weird that they just kind of gave it to them immediately. So I think it's kind of uh, okay that they're getting those points back for now and then allow the investigation and potential appeal to happen before they actually finalize uh, any punishment. I think so too, and I, I think it's uh, it's obviously going to be a process, and a process by which uh, is going to have to be thorough and for obvious reasons. So I, I definitely agree that for the time being, this is probably the right move. Now, for context, what we're we're going to do here is we're going to get all of you, our listeners, uh, caught up to speed on this situation with Juventus. The following information that I'm about to read has been attained from SB Nation. The article starts with quote. On a Thursday in mid-April, in which there was a whole lot riding on it both on and off the field, Juventus got its first bit of good news before even arriving to Estadio José Alvalade. The Colegio de Garanzia announced Thursday night, and just a couple of hours before the vital Europa, uh, Europa League quarterfinal tie against Sporting in Portugal, that Juventus's appeal of the FIGC's 15-point penalty from January has been successful. At least temporarily, that is. That means that Juve will have their 15 points back for now, but we'll see a new trial at the Federal Court of Appeal take place at some point in the near future. But considering that it could be a month or a stretch into the summer or even next season, Juventus will continue to play with some sense of uncertainty over their heads. The successful appeal sees Juventus jump back into third place of 59 points, three points ahead of Milan and Roma, who are joint fourth. 
the fact that the road doesn't end here is very much something that could put a damper on things. This will still very much linger, even though Juventus has shot back up into third place. And the point total in the standings reflects the number of points that this team has earned on the field. There are obviously other legal issues out there as well. So who knows when the likes of other potential sporting penalties will come down, end quote. Gaetano, it has been a whirlwind of a year for Juventus, and I don't say that lightly. I think that's incredibly true. What do you foresee happening between now and the end of the season for Juventus and City in general? Well, Juventus, they're, yeah, a whirlwind is, I think, putting it lightly. Uh, the squad's kind of in shambles. It looks like Allegri's probably leaving in the summer. Um, a bunch of their directors uh, have these uh, these uh, punishments and bans. So it's going to be a, I don't want to say a complete overhaul, but it's going to be a pretty heavy overhaul in the summer. Uh, a lot of players wanting out. I do think the fact that they will probably be playing the Champions League, or at least uh, some European football next season, uh, is going to help them a little bit. But yeah, it should be uh, a really, really interesting summer for them. I think so too. And yeah, with all of the departures and potential departures that are going to happen, it makes things all the interesting because as we know, in comparison to North American sport, at least the, the off season, if you call it for, for, for soccer is very short. So how much of a turnaround could you have in the summer to when you start again in August? Probably not that much. So I think, and I've always thought really, as long as Juventus has European football, Juventus is Juventus. It's, it's a huge club, but if they get European football, they should attract or at least keep some of their bigger guys. But um, yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see in the sense that who stays, who goes, and if this is actually even going to hold on. So as time continues to move along with this story, uh, we can all be assured that we will have everything by way of information for you here on Full Time. Gee, let's now get into the Champions League by examining the outcomes of the quarterfinals. The semifinalists are now set. Gatano, what did you make of the quarterfinals? Um, they were really, really good. Uh, a lot of, I don't want to say surprising results, but uh, really, really interesting ones. And I think for the most part, the best teams uh, in each of the ties went through. So I'm really looking forward to the semifinals now. Yeah, I think it's going to be excellent. Uh, it's going to be an excellent semifinal for, for both that will take place. And the quarterfinal certainly kept us on our toes without doubt. So, Gaetano, what we're going to do is we'll start by looking at the Napoli-Milan tie. The all-Italian fixture was filled with plenty of pride, to say the least. After Milan had held a 1-0 advantage after the first leg, it was a 1-1 draw in the second leg that sees Milan through to the semifinals. Napoli, as a result, are out. Gatano Milan looked quite good throughout the tie and rolled their luck in certain moments. Napoli did not take advantage of their chances, to put it simply. Over the two legs, Napoli outchanced Milan 39 to 18 on shots or attempts on goal. Gee, Milan are through. What can you say about this, my friend? Uh, probably the shock of the quarterfinals. Uh... I've, when the draw was made, I had Napoli uh, going to the final, really. I thought that the way they were playing domestically and just the form they were on, that they would, uh, not comfortably, but that they would see themselves through. So surprised to see them go out, um, especially to Milan. But Milan played great. Uh, like you said, they rode their luck a little bit, but you, you need that in cup football. That's just the way it goes. Uh, they picked their moments well and uh, are deservedly through to the semis. 
I agree. And uh, some of their counterattacking was excellent. In cup competitions, you do need to ride your luck in certain moments. Uh, moments. Milan did a phenomenal job of that. And I think them getting through to the semifinals, some may say uh, that Napoli should have gone through. But if you don't take your chances, as you know, in football, you don't win. So uh, I think that this is deserving for Milan. Definitely happy for them. Napoli is going to walk away with City out with the trophy this year with the, with the title. So it's not like they're leaving empty-handed. So, again, I, I'm very happy for Milan. Next, it was Real Madrid, who have made this competition their bread and butter down the years, who went up against Chelsea, who are having their worst season in longer than most people can remember. Real Madrid, as expected, made short work of Chelsea, winning 4-0 on aggregate with back-to-back 2-0 scorelines. Gatano, Chelsea didn't really lay a glove on Real Madrid as the defending champions in this competition cruise into the semifinals. Your thoughts here? Yeah, comfortable for Madrid. Never really threatened uh, at any point uh, in either leg. Um, Frank Lampard just completely out of his depth uh, in this situation. Not that that's his fault coming in on the interim, but uh, yeah, just comfortable for Madrid. They rested some key players uh, during that, so uh, well done for them. Yeah, and it was always a case of uh, for Real Madrid, hey, let's just go out and be professional, get the job done, no matter the circumstance with manager, player discontent, these sorts of things. And they did just that, just as uh, we thought that they would, and probably most people thought that they would. Over to the third quarterfinal. It was Inter and Benfica who captivated their respective audiences. In the first leg, it was all Inter as they beat Benfica 2-0. The second leg saw a six-goal affair and in a 3-3 draw. It's Inter who go through in this competition by a score of 5-3 to three on aggregate. Gaetano, things nearly got interesting, and I say nearly pretty loosely, but it was never truly within the reach of Benfica. Talk to us about Inter's performance and your feelings over these two legs. Uh, I was uh, surprised at the scoreline of the second leg. Uh, Inter have had a very, very good defense uh, domestically and in Europe. Uh, lots of clean sheets, so to give up three to Benfica is a little bit of surprise. But they also have the firepower up front to score the three uh, to see them through. So not too, too bad for them. Uh, And yeah, at the end of the day, I think they had the better squad, more individual star power all over the squad and uh, are deservedly through. Yeah, and sometimes in the second leg, we see these quote-unquote collapses, but uh, I think like I think you really summarized it well in the sense that, yeah, they conceded three, but they have the firepower to score three, and they did just that. So sometimes, I know just from a manager's perspective, if you're going to concede three, but you know that you have the, the ability to score three, and you've already got yourself a decent advantage going into that second leg, you're probably going to be okay with that. Corrections to be made, of course, but certainly Inter are through and deservedly so. Finally, it was Bayern Munich who took on your Manchester City, Gaetano. A dominant first leg for City saw them go into the second leg up three goals to nil. A 1-1 draw in the second leg sees City through to the semifinal on an aggregate score of 4-1. Gee, City were excellent, particularly in that first leg. Give us the breakdown of this one as Man City are into the semifinals of this competition after beating a very tough Bayern Munich side. Yeah, I don't remember the last time uh, Bayern Munich have been dominated like that over two legs. Like the last time I can remember is maybe 2016-17 against Cristiano Ronaldo's Madrid when he scored the hat-trick. Um, but yeah, like no, nobody does this to Bayern Munich. Uh, you just slap them both legs. Uh, obviously, we went to the uh, the Allianz Arena not needing a result. The draw was fine. Um, Pep went for the more, uh, like he said with Leipzig, it was control. And that's all they needed. Uh, the 1-1 draw was enough, but really good all around. Uh, Jack Grealish had a phenomenal performance uh, in Germany. Just like 
running through Bayern's probably one of the better midfields in the world and he was just running through them like they were not like not even there uh Erling Holland with the goal even with a missed penalty you know it's a little bit of a blemish but whatever we we move and uh through to the semifinals against uh, a really really tough Real Madrid team yeah and I think that City definitely in all ways shapes and forms took care of business the way that they had to like you said Grealish looked really impressive and the attention to detail that uh, he's put into his game since going to Manchester City I mean he was great previous to that at uh, at Villa but now he's definitely taking his game to a new level and uh, obviously anybody that City fields these days uh, is just like for like they just look an unbelievable side and certainly have become the favorites in this competition without doubt. So, Gaetano, to review our picks, you went three out of four getting all but Milan correct, uh, as Napoli didn't come through for you. And for me, I went uh, 50-50 because uh, Benfica and Napoli fell short. So, overall, not bad on our picks. So, well done, sir. Hey, well done to you, too. Not too bad. As a result, now the semifinals are now set up. It will be Real Madrid against Manchester City. And in the other semifinal, it will be Milan playing against Inter. So, gee, we've got two extraordinary semifinals set up here. The defending champions, Real Madrid, against the current favorites to win it, your Manchester City. In the other semifinal, it's an all-Italian clash where both Milan sides, AC Milan and Inter Milan, will square off in a Milan derby, not once, but twice. Gaetano, this will be an amazing couple of weeks in the Champions League, won't it? Uh, I don't think I've ever been more excited for a Champions League tie, like this Milan and Inter one. Like, that's going to be, like, think of like every like box office electric like it's going to be one of the best champions league ties we've ever seen it's going to be great yeah the 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 prospect of that letting us down is next to nil and i think that yeah. the prospect of the uh, madrid and city tie letting us down is also next to nil so can't say how excited i am either obviously you excited as a fan uh because your team is in it but as a neutral i'm i'm nearly as excited obviously can't be as excited <laughs> but uh definitely uh, going to be an amazing showcase and a reminder to our listeners that the first leg of games will go on May 9th and the second leg of games will occur on May 16th. In our next episode of Full Time, we will preview the semifinals for all of you. Katano, let's move over to the Europa League where that competition's quarterfinal matches have been played also. Semifinalists as a result have been determined. What did you make of the quarterfinals, G? Uh, I thought the quarterfinals were, were really good. Uh, no crazy upsets, which is uh, a little disappointing because I always love that in the Europa League. But uh, the quality of football itself was phenomenal and uh, super excited for the semifinals. Definitely. We've talked about it time and time again. Once you get to, to this stage of the competition in the Europa League, the quality, it's not on par with the Champions League, but man, it's, it's pretty close. So it was definitely good to see. And to begin, we will look at Feyenoord and Roma. Feyenoord had a promising first leg after taking a one to nil advantage. It wasn't to last, however, as Roma had an incredible second half in the second leg, coming from behind to win the game 4-1 to one, and ultimately winning the tie 4-2 to two on aggregate. Gatano, Roma get it done despite having to battle some adversity. Your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think the quality in Roma's squad uh, really kind of shined, uh, shone through here, and having Jose on the, uh, the touchline always is going to give them that little bit of an edge. Uh, like I said, surprising first leg result, um, but not surprised that they were able to turn it around. Yeah, me neither. And I, I was always, I was never really in doubt. I, I remember when I got home from work the one day and I looked at the squirrel and I said, oh, there's there's still time. I feel like Roma's probably going to pull it out. And sure enough, they did. And that's down to the players they have. It's down to the, the manager, but also the, mental, the mentality in the squad at this moment in time. 
Leverkusen and Union St. Louis met in another quarterfinal in this competition. As much as the first leg looked to set up a promising second leg after things ended one-to-one, it was anything but promising in the second leg, at least for Saint, uh, Union St. Louis. Leverkusen take care of business and win by a score of 4-1 to one and 5-2 to two on aggregate. Gee, Leverkusen move on to the semifinals and Union St. Louis' run in this competition is now over. What can you say about this tie? I think you summed it up best, like Bear Leverkusen taking care of business. Uh, they were the clearly superior squad and it was just a matter of kind of turning up the levels a little bit to get there. But yeah, end of the day, definitely got the uh, the deserved result. Definitely. And I think it was always going to be a case of, well, if you're not going to win the first leg, certainly don't lose it. Second leg, go take care of business, do what you're supposed to do. And Leverkusen did just that. Sevilla and Manchester United met in what was to be an entertaining tie between two prominent teams in this competition, as I see that you're already smiling, G. <laughs> After the first leg ended 2-2, two to two, largely in part to a Sevilla comeback. It was a long, long litany of errors for Manchester United that sees them lose to Sevilla in the second leg by a score of 3-0. to nil. Thus, it's Sevilla who win the tie by a score of 5-2. to two. Gatano, Sevilla were there in the moments that they needed to be and capitalized on the misfortunes of Manchester United. An absolute giant in this competition, as you alluded to last show, get the job done and book their place in the semifinals. Your analysis of Sevilla's victory over two legs. Yeah, I think this is uh, a deserved result for them. They played great other than the first, I think maybe 25, 30 minutes of the first leg. Uh, turned it around uh, late in the first leg and then just dominated the second leg. Uh, I was also really happy to see a couple ex-City players and Jesus Navas and Fernando uh, doing a job against United. That's always great. And yeah, I think at the end of the day, uh, a very deserved result and United are out, which is phenomenal. Yes, uh, everybody wins, I suppose, in that <laughs> way. But uh, ultimately, for me, where, where things changed, and I think this is probably the case for anybody who watched or at least watched some of it, it was it was the errors in that second leg. I mean, mistake after mistake after mistake. And it could actually could have resulted in more goals, but Sevilla took their opportunities when they needed to and um, certainly were pretty comfortable in that game. Uh, but yeah, so many mistakes by United should have never happened. Finally, it was Sporting and Juventus who matched up in the last quarterfinal. Juventus showed resilience and quality throughout the tie en route to winning 2-1 on aggregate. Sporting, by all accounts, gave Juventus as much as they could handle, but couldn't break that proverbial door down. It's Juventus, Gaetano, who are through just narrowly over Sporting. What are you saying here? Uh, I think this was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be, for sure. Uh, I think at the end of the day, Sporting didn't have the firepower to break through uh, Juventus' defense. And uh, ultimately, Juve had just enough going forward to get the job done. Yeah, and uh, teaching reference now, there's this sort of quote that uh, in geography that while, you know, people used to push their boats as, as far as they possibly could because they thought that it would eventually go off the earth and they wanted to test those limits. I think Sporting probably did something like that in such a way that they pushed Juventus as far as they could, but, you know, player for player as a team in general, probably just not good enough to break them down. And we saw that and Juventus are through as a result. So to review our picks, Gaetano, you took Roma, Leverkusen, Sevilla and Sporting, which makes you three out of four on your selections. For me, I had Roma, Leverkusen, United and Sporting, which makes me again, two out of four on my selection. So 50-50. And again, it's quite close, but you got all but one correct. So, uh, first and foremost, well done for that. And second, how tough is it to call these games, my friend? Um, 
I would say nearly impossible. Like, you know, I I only picked Sevilla because they were playing United. I would have picked any team in the world. I, I would have picked your Tazzy team over United, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a lot, of, it's a lot of just guessing and uh, you know, a little bit of personal pride and not wanting United to win. And yeah, there we go. I agree with you. And uh, like I said, there was a it was I forget how many weeks ago now, but it was when Milan played Tottenham. I'm still kicking myself for picking Tottenham because yeah. I know that I'm better than that. And I, <laughs> I sure know better than that. So I'm with you on, on that for sure. A reminder once more to our listeners that the Europa League semifinals will kick off on May 11th and conclude May 18th. Again, in our next show of full time, we, we will be uh, rather previewing those semifinals for each of you. Folks, we will now get into domestic football by looking at Europe's big five. Gee, things are really heating up in just about all aspects of domestic football in Europe. What can you say about now being officially on uh, the back end of the season, or as a lot of folks have been calling it, the business end of the season? Yeah, this is uh, this is squeaky bum time, Scarps. This is yep. uh, every second of every game counts uh, and makes a huge difference. It's the best best part of the year for sure. Yeah, it definitely is the best part of the year, no matter which way you look at it, because the uh, the drama heightens all the more. We're going to kickstart the conversation by looking at the English Premier League right now. It's Arsenal who remain at the top, at least for the time being, with seventy five points. Man City are in second with 73 points, but they do have two games in hand over the league leaders, Arsenal. Newcastle are in third with 62 points. Man United holds fourth with 60 points. Tottenham, Aston Villa, Liverpool, Brighton, Brentford, and Fulham are looking to claim the remaining European places. Gee, the gap at the top begins to tighten after Arsenal have claimed three draws and one loss in their last four games. The most recent being a loss to Manchester City this past Wednesday. Has now the title race had a significant shift? Yeah, I think uh, so. So, so I don't want to say that Arsenal bottled it because, and I, let, let, I might. I, this is one of those things where I do with Avery on bitter rivals where I need to explain my whole thing before. Yeah. I don't think this Arsenal team was ever going to win the Premier League. Uh, I think they're just they're going way over their depth right now. I think they're in a good way ahead of schedule of the rebuild, which is a good thing. Um, I just don't think they're there yet. And I think there was just kind of a matter of time before, uh, you know, the cracks became just that cracks and they, and they dropped it. Um, so yeah, I don't think, uh, I think the title shifted very firmly into Manchester city's hands right now, especially considering the games left, uh, like the actual opponents. Um, but yeah, I think this Arsenal team has done a phenomenal job of pushing city to their limits so far this year. And I'm really worried about the next couple of years if Arsenal's recruitment uh, kind of keeps up the way it has been. It's been very good the last few summers. Yep. Uh, they will turn into like perennial title challengers as kind of Liverpool and Chelsea have dropped off. But yeah, I think I think the title is in City's hands. Hopefully I'm knocking on wood if you can't hear it. Yeah, well, and you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm with you and, and it, it's not a couple because and I'm going to read something here momentarily just to show that I wasn't copying out. But that Arsenal is going to win the league either, but I never had them winning the league. And I do want to say a couple of things that number one, yes, I never said that they'd win the league. And if you go back time and time again on the show, I said all the time, City are going to be there, right? And I even called them the big blue shark, right? They, they're yeah. always going to be there. And second, before the season started, nobody ever had Arsenal winning. I didn't. And it wasn't this huge expectation. So when now people are saying that they're bottling it, I actually don't see it as bottling it. I think that they've let themselves down in certain moments. I do agree with that. But you don't necessarily bottle it against a team like Manchester City, second youngest team in the Premier League. Arsenal are 
without really any expectations, still learning, still growing, still developing, largely inexperienced, all of these sorts of things. I don't think that they're bottling it. I do think like against the Southampton, for example, West Ham, yeah, you let yourself down in those moments. You had key moments in the matchup when you should have taken your opportunities. You didn't. But to say bottling when some people are, I think it's a little bit too harsh. And I just do want to prove a point that I never had Arsenal winning because before the season started, you're going to see how some are like dead on, but some are like way off. I had Manchester City winning the Premier League, Liverpool to come in second. They're quite off of it. I had Arsenal coming in third, Man United fourth, which probably will happen. I had Chelsea in fifth. They're way off of that, way off. Tottenham six, West Ham seventh. West Ham are just getting out of the relegation battle now. Uh, Newcastle after that. Then Brighton, Aston Villa, Brentford, Wolves, Crystal Palace, Everton, Leicester, Southampton. I had them surviving. Fulham, and then the three teams I had going downward, Leeds, Nottingham Forest, and Bournemouth. So you see how, again, some yes are accurate, but others are, are way off. So I, I do want to be clear with that. And I would say, too, let's see what happens from, from now into the end of the season because we don't know what's going to happen, right? No, 100%. 100%. And in the Premier League's relegation battle, we will see Southampton right now. Uh, and they are at the bottom with 24 points. Everton are in 19th with 28 points. Leicester City are in uh, uh, 18th, rather, with 29 points, just outside of the drop zone. Is Nottingham Forest with 30 points, equal with them, are Leeds with 30 points. Tano, the battle at the bottom is tight. What have you seen transpire over the past couple of weeks? Uh, so we're starting to see a couple teams pull their uh, way out of it. Uh, Wolves uh, and Crystal Palace have gotten some great results to get themselves uh, firmly away from, I would say, the relegation battle. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I still think it's going to come down. Well, Southampton, for, I think for sure are done. But I think those last two spots is going to come down to the final day of the season. Yeah, the final day of the season, the final moments of games, I think that's what it's going to come down to. Southampton, I just don't think that they have enough. Again, I say that and people are probably thinking, well, they tied Arsenal 3-3 and they, you know, they look pretty good. But if you want to take one result, okay, that's fine. I don't think that that's going to last, though. I think I think pretty sure they have six games left. I'm not sure with the six games that they have left that they're going to even come close to maximizing points or getting very many points for that matter. So I think they're done. Final two spots, I agree, down to the last game of the season. And it should be pretty wild. In Italy, Serie A, Napoli is nearly there. Just with seven games to go, they have 78 points. Second place, Lazio have 61 points. A couple more wins for Napoli will seal the deal. Juventus have had their 15-point deduction restored, as we talked about earlier. They moved into third place now with 59 points. Milan and Roma are joint fourth with 56 points. Milan do, however, have a better goal difference. Inter and Atalanta are just outside of the top four with 54 and 52 points, respectively. Gee, City Ad nearly had its champion. Give us your thoughts on the division, especially now that Juventus have moved back into third. Yeah, I think Juve coming back into third makes uh, the fight for European places <clears throat> excuse me, a lot, lot uh, spicier uh, with these last few games of the season coming up. Uh, and I think one of the big boys could potentially even be missing out on European uh, football next season, which is... Uh, Shocking considering, you know, three semifinalists uh, in the Champions, or three quarterfinalists, sorry, in the Champions League, uh, a semifinalist uh, in the Europa League, and potentially one of those teams could be not even playing European football next season. Yeah, it's pretty wild, and that's kind of the uh, the beauty and the pitfalls of football, that uh, you could have all of this success and, and, you know, snap of a finger, you know, it could be, uh, could be changed all around. So it's definitely 
cool to see what's happening in Italy right now, but we know good and well that soon enough it will be Napoli's to, to hoist the trophy, that is. Over in La Liga, Barcelona have created an 11-point gap for themselves at the top. They have 76 points, whilst second-place Real Madrid have 65 points. It's Atletico in third with 63 points. Real Sociedad are in fourth quite comfortably. Uh, Gaetano, Barcelona are nearly at the finish line. They probably only have but maybe a, a few more meters of this race to run, figuratively. What can you make of La Liga right now? Yeah, I, I would say it's uh, all but wrapped up here. Uh, I just don't see Madrid uh, being able to overturn that 11-point uh, gap with nine games left. I think that's basically done. They're focused on the Champions League. Um, and like you said, Real Sociedad comfortable in fourth, eight points off. I think that top four is pretty much solidified. You might see a bit of movement between Real and Atletico for second and third, but I think it's uh, pretty much done in Spain right now. I think so too. And uh, last Sunday, I watched Barcelona and Atletico the uh, the entire game. And in and of itself, I think it sort of showed for me at least why Barcelona are where they are this season. They dominated the game and they should have won by a lot more. It was only 1-0, but they should have won by so much more. Uh, they have a really good team and they, they are definitely on the up and up. And next season, I think that they will be uh, maybe not favorited in many competitions, but they will be looked at in many competitions as being a huge threat. That's just the way that uh, that I feel right now for sure. The Bundesliga in Germany continues to remain tight with just a few games left to go. It's Dortmund who are currently top with 61 points. Bayern are in second with 59 points, but have a very important game in hand. Union Berlin are in third with 56 points. Equal with them on points is SC Freiburg. It's RB Leipzig who are now in fifth with 54 points. Now, what, what I'd like to do right now, G, is kind of check out, because at the time of recording, recording here on uh, Saturday morning, there were a couple yes. of games that kick-started uh, earlier in the day with Freiburg and Leipzig. Uh, so let, let's, let's have a look at that to see what's changed around. So, standings-wise, anything? Dortmund Bayern, Berlin, SC Freiburg. So, with the results here, we've got Freiburg won their game today 1-0. Leipzig also won 1-0. So things, I guess, still are pretty status quo, really. So it'll still uh, be yeah, Dort pretty much. Yeah, Dortmund, Bayern, Berlin, SC Freiburg, and Leipzig holding their positions regardless of the results today. So what what do you think, G, is, is going to happen here in in Germany with the Bundesliga? With uh, Again, they probably, you know, they have just about four or five games left to go now. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, this title race is probably the best Germany's seen in almost what, two decades. Uh, typically, Bayern used to dominate. Yep. Um, so the fact that we're going into these last five, six games, you know, realistically, like three or four teams could be winning this. Uh, it's crazy that Bayern Munich like haven't ha haven't wrapped it up yet. It's crazy that Dortmund are up top. You got to think firing Nagelsmann and bringing in uh, Tuchel's absolutely backfired on Bayern. Out yeah. of the Champions League, out of the German Cup, second in the Bundesliga, might not win it. Like, massive, massive mistake there. Uh, I think this is, as much as you were saying, like, Spain is wrapped up, like, this is anything but. Well, anything but, and you want to talk about going down to the last day. I mean, it, it's hardly an argument that it wouldn't go down to the last day at this point. Uh, I'm still going to stick with my pick. I believe that Byron will win it. They'll find a way. But how much this would have backfired and already has backfired, but in large part, let's say if Byron don't win it, that club boy, they're going to look real foolish, real, real foolish. Oh, yeah. So we'll see what happens, and we're going to keep everybody up to speed here on full-time, week in, week out, to, to see what's happening in the Bundesliga. Definitely the tightest race, I would say, right now at the top. 
And in France's Ligue 1, PSG have won their past three games and now have 75 points with just six games remaining. Marseille in second have 67 points. Lens are in third with 66 points. Monaco have 61 points in fourth place. Gaetano, PSG has created a small gap and a bit of wiggle room at the top given their recent form. Are they almost ready, in your opinion, to win the title? Yeah, I think uh, these last couple of weeks they've uh, they've finally kind of found that level. Uh, it's taken them a long while this year, but they finally kind of got there. Uh, big couple of results, eight-point gap now at the top of the table. I think they're just about there. Just about there, but uh, in terms of solidifying something, probably need another game or two to really convince people and maybe even convince themselves. So we'll see what happens there, but I also think that definitely PSG are, are destined for it. This is Daniel Scarpino and Gaetano Gallo, and you are listening to Full Time on the Game Sports Show. A reminder that Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. You can download and access the Pizza Portal app for any of the two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Have a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. Gee, the FA Cup semifinals occurred at Wembley Stadium not that long ago. As a result, the finalists for the world's oldest domestic cup competition have been determined. Before we get into those two matches, just how excellent for you, Gaetano, is the FA Cup and were those semifinals? I love the FA Cup. Like, it's, the, the you know, the magic of the FA Cup. I love it. I, I'm a sucker for it. Um, and I thought both semifinals were really, really good, uh, obviously results-wise, uh, and after just the quality on the field as well. Excellent. Yeah, I totally agree. And, uh, you know, I was watching, uh, for example, the United and Brighton, which we're going to talk about here very shortly, and then it went to penalties. And, again, it's just, like you said, the magic of the Cup. I'm totally a sucker for it as well. It's just brilliant stuff. And with that said, the semifinalists uh, certainly had us glued to our, uh, or the semifinals rather, had us glued to our televisions. And it was your Manchester City, Gaetano, who took on championship side Sheffield United. A game that was expected to be dominated by Manchester City, for the most part, was. It was uh, the star-studded performance of Riyad Mahrez, who scored all three of City's goals en route to a 3-0 victory. Manchester City booked their ticket to the FA Cup final as a result. Gaetano, I know that you are certainly over the moon about this one. And you certainly have reason to be. Give us your thoughts. Uh, over the blue moon, by the way. The blue moon, you got uh, it. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was uh, a pretty comfortable game for City. Sheffield actually had a couple chances early in the game, but once City kind of settled down, uh, we had a slightly rotated squad. Guys like De Bruyne uh, and Holland uh, didn't play too, too much. Um, so yeah, it was comfortable. It was great to see Red Mahrez uh, kind of step up, be the, be the star player, get the hat trick. And just a, a really comfortable game for Manchester City. Yeah, it was comfortable and they looked good. And people will say, well, they played against the championship side. Guess what? That championship side is now a Premier League side. They've already been promoted, right? So uh, they did look good and certainly deserve to go through. And in the other semifinal, it was Brighton against Manchester United. After 90 minutes, that couldn't settle anything. It was extra time, hopefully, to see if someone could find the breakthrough. It then became 120 minutes of goalless football. So then we needed penalties to determine a winner. In the end, it was Manchester United who did win on penalties by a score of 7-6 to six against Brighton and thus confirmed their place in the final of the FA Cup. Gee, Brighton are large, or they did largely, I should say, control the match despite the chances being shared equally. In the end, it is United who get through on penalties. Give us your opinion on this one. Yeah, I, I don't think Brighton did themselves any favours uh, in that semi-final. A lot of chance creation and just absolutely zero finishing. Uh, I know specifically there was a chance in extra time where Matoma absolutely walked through United's defense, uh, walked around De Gea and just didn't even get a shot off. And it's just, you know, 
you can't be doing that in a semifinal at Wembley. No, and, and you just, uh, if you're a fan of Brighton or if you're the manager or whatever, you just put your hands up and you say, like, what can we do about that? Yeah. If you can't do it in those moments, it's probably not destined for you. And like you said, didn't, didn't help themselves, didn't do any favors. You've got to convert those. And I felt, and uh, Deserby after the game, he said, uh, well, I don't think that the right team went through. In a way, I kind of agree. But in another way, if you don't finish your chances, you really don't deserve to go through. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's a matter of opinions there. But uh, Gatano, to review those selections, you did pick City and United, so you got your pick spot on. On my end, I did pick City, but I picked Brighton. So because Brighton lost in penalties, I once again am 50% on my picks. <laughs> it's a theme in this show. Gatano, it's an all-Manchester final in the FA Cup. It's what every fan, at least we could imagine, would have wanted. What can you say about this one, and how are you feeling personally? Um... So personally, a little annoyed that United are playing in a final because I just hate them. Um, yeah. But uh, the opportunity. So I've never seen City and United play a final. I don't. I can't. I couldn't tell you the last time it happened. Um, I know we had a semi-final against them back in 2011, and we've had some like quarterfinals and stuff. So but, like an actual an FA Cup final at Wembley against United, it, it doesn't get much bigger than that, really. Um, probably will be one of the biggest city games in my lifetime. Um, so I'm super, super looking forward to it. Yeah, and I think everybody in the footballing public is is looking forward to it, fan or not. Uh, and I think come that day, it's going to be sensational. I'm really looking forward to it myself. I was hopeful for an all-Manchester final, even though I thought Brighton would win. Uh, and I'm definitely glad that we got it now. It's what football's all about. Everyone will be glued to that FA Cup final. And a reminder to our listeners that the FA Cup final will actually take place in June. June 3rd, that is. And uh, whilst this final is quite some time away, you will be able to get all the updates, news, and analysis in the lead-up to that cup final here on Full Time. Over in the MLS, we are nearly 10 games into the season. For context, each team in the MLS plays 34 games, uh, 17 at home, 17 on the road. And then, of course, because it's played in North America, there are playoffs. So in terms of games played, it's it's comparable to uh, European leagues in, in terms of the sheer amount of games that will be played. It's not exactly the same, but it's somewhat close. At this moment in time, it's New England and Cincinnati who are joint top in the Eastern Conference. In the Eastern Conference as well, our team, Gaetano Toronto FC, sits 12th with one game, six draws, and two losses. In the Western Conference, St. Louis and Seattle are joint top. LAFC remain the only undefeated team in the league with five wins and three draws. Gee, two questions here, my friend. First, how have you felt that the MLS season has started? And secondly, what are you making of Toronto FC in these uh, early stages of the season? So I think uh, these, you know, eight, nine games into the season, the MLS uh, has been probably some of the best I've seen from it. It's always growing. It's always getting better. But, uh, you know, seeing a team like St. Louis City in their first season uh, sitting top of the league after nine games is nuts uh it's great for the league i think um you know proving that it's not just kind of the typical la new york seattle who run it um and toronto fc have been awful <laughs> there's, there's not a lot more to it they have been bad yeah and i i can't make i well to your first points there about the league it has been great and anybody always says well the mls is starting to get big well yeah it gets bigger season season in season out right it's season after season it just gets bigger and better Toronto FC I mean to have six draws it's not like they're I don't know it's a it's very weird to explain like you said they're playing bad I also think that they're playing poorly it's 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 a weird sort of 
it's a weird sort of feeling, but I'm hoping that they'll be able to, to put it together maybe in, uh, you know, come the halfway point in the season, at least so we can hope. And as the MLS season continues to progress, as it is uh, close, it's really close to home for us here on full time. It's right in our backyard. We will work to keep all of you, our listeners, up to speed with the latest happenings in the MLS. And finally, it is time for a local soccer update. As was the case before Easter, youth indoor soccer finished up here in the Sioux. Now, indoor soccer has officially wrapped up for the men's divisions. Here at Full Time, we are quite proud to say that both Gaetano and myself won the double for our respective leagues as league and playoff champions. Gaetano, the longest of seasons, at least by comparison to the previous seasons, over seven months. So worth it in the end, as it turns out. First and foremost, congratulations to you and your club. And, and secondly, how does it feel to be on the winning end of a, a double during this long seven-month indoor soccer season? So, first of all, thank you. Uh, really appreciate that. And also congratulations to you and your team as well. I know you, you guys are a little more used to it than us, but, you know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, to, to finally win... Uh, win the league uh just the league and the playoffs so i've not uh, i've not won them uh, in my lifetime so this was the first for me so that was super fun uh, and i know a lot of guys in our team uh either hadn't won them in a long time or hadn't won them ever so it was uh it was really special to kind of get that uh achievement for all of us and yeah after a, a long long season there was uh, a lot of relief uh when the final whistle went in the final for sure yeah, and we felt the exact same way because, uh, I mean, you know, you played the, it was it was an incredibly long season, incredibly long season. And in the end, we ended up playing 35 games. And, you know, for anybody, I think that that's a lot of time on your feet. And, you know, for me personally, I played 33 out of those 35 games. It's a lot. It's a ton. And we, I, like you said, we, we do win it regularly and before we started this club when I was with my old club with Sioux Croatia we had sort of a, a history of winning a lot as well so you never kind of you never kind of tire of it but I think after a long season like that with your case our case the best teams won it and uh, I think my body right now is actually talking to one of my buddies the other day my body is so thankful to just have like this <laughs> little break now because typically like we've said you know I'd be happy to go from indoor to outdoor no problem this season completely different I was like I'll take a month I'm quite happy yeah. with that so definitely feeling good but outdoor soccer here actually it's a little less than a month now it's just under four weeks that we'll get started so certainly exciting times ahead for sure but uh, again congrats to you and the club and uh, certainly happy for that uh, here on full time. Now it's uh, only the women's division who continues with indoor soccer for the next few weeks. All games occur Sunday evenings at the Northern Community Centre here in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, as they get ready to uh, to finish up their playoffs. They have uh, another round of games that go tomorrow night at the NCC. So if anyone's looking to uh, to check those out, certainly give it a go. It's uh, in the knockout stages now. And lastly, high school soccer has officially begun. Games are held nightly at Superior Heights Soccer Field from Monday to Friday. Games kick off at 5.30 p.m., typically with the junior divisions. And the last games of the evening commence at 8.30 p.m., again, typically with the senior divisions. So if you are in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, be sure to check out some games. As Again, they're held Monday to Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at Superior Heights. Uh, and, and the field always is, is filled with some of the best young athletes and soccer players that our city has to offer. Gee, uh, how great is it now that we uh, we can see high school soccer back on the pitch? We got to see it last year. It was pushed back a little bit after our lockdown, but now we're back to uh, the regular. How good is it to see? Yeah, it's it's nice that kind of everything now is back to normal. Um, I feel for the kids having to play uh, still in April right now. Like that's that's brutal. Still not uh, the greatest weather for it, but uh, up at Superior, they got the good the good pitch. 
uh, and it should be some really, really good soccer. Definitely. And it's a short season, but it's a good one. And if you do go, make sure that you bundle up because it's still bloody cold outside. <laughs> this is Daniel Scarpino and Gaetano Gallo, and you are listening to Full Time on the Game Sports Show. A reminder that Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. You can download and access the Pizza Portal app for any of the two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Have a delicious, hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. Ladies and gentlemen, that is time to wrap up and conclude today's show. We want to thank you for making us a part of your day. Your support means more than we could ever explain. G, as always, a great show together, my friend. Thank you very much. Scarps, always a pleasure to spend the morning talking soccer with you. With Odone, and guess what? We get to do it again next Saturday. That's right, a reminder to our listeners that the next episode of Full Time will be recorded a week today, and that'll be on May 6th, 2023. In that show, we will preview the Champions League and Europa League semifinals, discussions of Europe's Big Five, local soccer, and, for all of you wondering, regional soccer as well. You have to tune in to hear a little bit more about that. We'll also be talking about all the latest in the world of football. For weekly content, make sure to hit like, follow, and subscribe to all platforms of both the Game Sports Show and the Game Entertainment and Media on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Podbean. Be sure to check us out at our website at www.thegamesportshow.com. That's www.thegamesportshow.com. For Gaetano Gallo, my name is Daniel Scarpino, and thank you for tuning in to Full Time. We look forward to seeing you at kickoff next time back here on the Game Sports Show and the Game Entertainment and Media. Best always.